Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Tight end preview on this Friday morning. Welcome, everybody. It is August 4th, and we broke down quarterbacks yesterday. Today, a position that does not score quite as many points as quarterbacks. Adam Azer, handsome haircut Heath Cummings. Uh, Jamie Eisenberg and Dave Richard were all here again to look at the tight end position. Is it the year of the tight end? Remember when we used to say that? Then we were like, yeah, you know what? We won't get fooled again. What do you think? Could this be? Could, does anybody see a great year for tight ends in 2023? Absolutely not. No? Nobody? No. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just had to ask. Um, all right. So let's talk about this position and what you need to know. Can we sum it up? With this, you need targets. You need a guy who's going to get a lot of targets. Top five tight ends almost always are top two on their team in targets, with a couple of exceptions last year, unfortunately. Uh, Heath, is that is that one of the first things you look for? Is that the first thing you look for when it comes to tight ends? Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably one of the first things I look for in any pass catcher. So, like, that's definitely important. Um, but I, I'm going to try a new strategy this year. I've been workshopping it for the past couple of weeks trying to come up with a good name and because I really want Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews or I just want to wait until the double digit rounds I think I'm going to call it great or late oh come on come <laughs> on now great or late yes is that was it what was the joke originally because obviously that's an Azer expression but I think Jamie claimed I think it. the joke was that J- it was Jamie's idea <laughs> right <laughs> great or late so that's the other thing so so the, if you want an impact tight end because there are not usually more than five or six a year uh, they're almost always first or second on their team in targets. As I mentioned, there have only been three tight ends in the last seven seasons who have finished top five without being first or second on their team in targets. Robert Tunyon a few years ago, and two of them actually were last year. So that was weird. Kittle and Ingram. Um, the other stat to know is that over the past seven seasons, those same seven seasons, 43% of the tight ends who finished top five were drafted in round 10 or later. In the last five seasons, it's 48%, and they've been drafted in round 10 or later, and they've finished top five. So, Jamie, great or late? Great great job by you coining that or whoever it was. Uh, but is do we do we follow? Because we, we spent a lot of time talking about tight ends three through seven. Hawkinson, Pitts, Kittle, uh, Goddard, Waller. Um, maybe we should be spending more time talking about, you know, 10 and beyond. What do you think? Jamie? Yeah. No, I can't yeah. hear you. Dave, what do you think? Dave, what do you think? <laughs> I, I think greater fortune. <laughs> Jamie knows now that he was supposed to, he, he, he knew it. Um, I, I love greater late this year. I think if you're not getting one of Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson, Pitts is on the fringe. It depends on how you feel about him and Desmond Ritter. 
if you're not getting one of those guys, I think it's worth it to just wait. I, I like getting Evan Ingram late. I like getting um, Dalton Schultz late. If I'm going way late, I don't mind getting Laporta or Kincaid and just beginning the season with them as my streaming tight end. Okay, Heath, great or late? Yeah, I'm not going so far with the great or late that I'm now going to forget that rookie tight ends are almost always terrible. Um, I, But I do oh. like the idea of pairing like Higby with Kincaid or Laporta because um, I, I think it's, it's very likely – that Tyler Higby is going to be a target monster again. The problem is that he doesn't ever do anything with those targets except for catch passes. Um, sometimes, sometimes they bounce off of his his big hands. So I, I I do think like one high floor late guy and and then one of Laporta or Kincaid as the as the high ceiling late guy. Another guy that would fit with Higby in that group would be Gerald Everett. Um, we've seen what the Cooper Rush offense has done for tight ends. I mean, he turned Dalton, Dalton Schultz. Mm. Cooper Cup. Kellen, I mean, Moore. Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. Cooper Cooper Cup. Let's Cup. not retire Cooper Rush this fast. Come on. Is Cooper Rush still an active player? I think he is. Okay. Um, anyway, I think Gerald Everett will be in that Higby group as well of guys that you can probably count on for, you know, nine fantasy points per game. The great thing about tight end, it's actually terrible, but – Anybody could be a streamer because it yeah. takes nine fantasy points per game to be a starter. I think it takes a little more than that, but if you're streaming and you get nine points a game, you're pretty happy. And that's what I would say about the rookies. I'm not making a season-long commitment to any tight end I'm drafting past round nine. Okay. But well, wait, hold on. Before Laporte you is my that, guy to begin the year if I'm taking a tight end very, very late. I just, very, need, to, I just need to... I think ADP, you'd probably, there's a couple of guys, maybe three, that you would make a season long commitment to that are being drafted in either round, late round nine or round 10 or round 11, according to Fantasy Football Calculator average draft position. And they are Pat Fryermuth, David Njoku, and Dalton Schultz. So if you can get one of them in round 10 and pair them with Dalton Kincaid or, you know, uh, or Greg Dulcich or something like that, maybe that's not so bad. But the, I think the more interesting discussion is. You know, we just, Dave and I just did this exercise and I don't have it written down, but we looked at the tight ends drafted between round, rounds four through seven the last three years. And it's a lot more misses than hits. So is that what's going to happen? I think what's interesting, Jamie, about the tight ends four through seven. Hi, Jamie. Nope, can't hear him. What the hell? The microphone's still not working. Heath, what's interesting about rounds four through seven is that it's a lot of guys who are really proven you know Hawkinson's pretty proven it's not like some of the names we've seen in this range in previous years have been Logan Thomas uh who else Dave I can't even remember some some guys that's like really we drafted them that optimistically but it's Hawkinson yeah it's Pitts is not that proven but um it's Kittle it's Goddard it's Waller they're they're better on paper than what we've seen in the past in this range but it's this has been a bad range it has been a bad range, and I am not like I'm not generally drafting from this group, so I think it might be a bad range again. Like if they go in round seven, I'd be happy with them, but I'm not taking these guys in round five or six, which it seems like a lot of people are. And and while you can say they're proven, it's also true that Kittle and Waller are old, or Waller for sure, have injury concerns, have serious quarterback concerns. Um, so I. 
Like I, I don't feel like what George Kittle and Darren Waller have done in the past makes me feel more certain that they're going to deliver on a round five or six price tag this year. Do you, Jamie? <laughs> no, come on, Jamie. We can't hear him. I don't know what's going on. Uh, Jamie, I can't speak for Jamie, unfortunately. All right, we'll get back into those guys in a little bit. Uh, so those are just some stats to know. Here's another thing to know. The Fantasy Football Today Open, the FFT Open, sold out faster than Taylor Swift. We had 88 spots. They're all gone. And I want to thank everybody for paying $250 each. That's $22,000 that we raised for St. Jude last night. That is awesome. And uh, that will get going. We'll get the drafts going. If you're in it, thank you very much for your participation. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We've had some great reviews, some great feedback, and we really appreciate that. That's one way to help our show grow. Um, you know, people are going to search for podcasts. They're going to look at reviews, tell them why you like the show. If you ask a question as well, good chance it'll be read on a mailbag. Although I got to say, we're getting so many reviews right now. I know I'm not going to be able to get to all of them, but a decent percentage of those uh, will be read. Speaking of which, mailbag coming up this afternoon. Me and Dan Schneier are going to be doing that. I'm not sure if anybody else is going to hop on that. Uh, it's going to air on Saturday. But since we don't have a ton of time during the week to read emails and Apple podcast questions and YouTube comments, we'll try to throw in these Saturday mailbags for you just to get some questions answered. Uh, and the last thing is please hit the like button on YouTube and subscribe on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash today. We need those subscriptions. We want to get up to 100,000 subscribers. I think we're somewhere in around 75 or something like that. So um, anyway. Tell your friends. Have them subscribe. Jamie, are we trying this again? Nope. All right. Yep. We'll, uh, <laughs> very strange. We'll see what happens there. Um, okay. So it's a great bit for the show today, though. <laughs> we teased it, but let's do it again here. What's your overall tight end strategy in 2023, Dave? It's great or late. D- uh, Heath? Yeah, it's a little more complicated than that. It's pretty much Kelsey in round one, Andrews in round three, Hawkinson or Pitts in round five, or Njoku or Fryermuth in round eight. Okay, so Waller, Goddard, Kittle is not for you. I've, they don't, I mean, if they were going back in the round eight range, they would be, but I don't have a big difference. Um, and in fact, I have both Njoku and Fryer, or I have Njoku ahead of both of them and Fryer moved ahead of Waller. So, like, when those guys go earlier, there's just no chance. If I miss out on all those guys, which I have before, then it's one of the upside guys and one of the safe guys. Give me your, just, just to uh, put that out there again, because I think that's, you know, a very good guide. Give me the rounds again. Kelsey in round one. Andrews in round two. Go on. Or three. Kelsey in round one. Andrews in round three. Hawkinson or Pitts in round five. Joku or Fryermuth in round eight. If not, then I'll wait till the double digits rounds and probably take two and Higby or Everett will be one of them. Dave, give me a little bit more, more nuance to great or late. I mean, I, I think everybody listening kind of understands it. You don't want to. You don't want to go crazy reaching for a tight end. Although. I, I think that might not apply to Kelsey. There's just going to be some fantasy managers out there that are going to look at Kelsey as such a big difference maker that they're willing to take him first overall. And a tight end premium makes all the sense in the world. Full PPR, 
doesn't make much sense because even in his best years, he never scored as many points as the top wide receivers, as the top running backs. I think he's a middle of round one type of pick okay. if you want to have that tight end advantage. And uh, we, we can get a little bit more into Kelsey yeah. in a second. Andrews, I would not reach for the top 15 pick, again, unless it's tight end premium. I like him around the 2-3 turn. Uh, I pretty much feel the same way Heath does about where you get Hawkinson and Pitts. They're in that round 4-5 range. If I were to draft one of Goddard, Waller, Kittle, it would be like 7-8. I right. would want to see them slip a little bit where I'd feel like, okay, now I can the, – the opportunity cost isn't as high. Because there are players at other positions I would much rather have than any of those three tight ends in rounds five and six, and then after that, it's just you're you're getting it. You're hoping for a tight end that can finish first or second on his team in targets, average six plus targets per game, be a factor in the red zone. That pro profile seems to set up nicely for I don't know about Evan Ingram, but certainly for Dalton Schultz in Houston until we see a wide receiver really break out or two wide receivers break out that would keep Dalton Schultz from getting to that type of, of target threshold. I know you said be a factor in the red zone or the end zone, wherever you said, this is just a weird stat. It is that I thought of, I thought of bringing up here over the last two seasons with Jalen hurts, you know, in, in the Jalen hurts era, but including the Gardner Minshew games, Dallas Goddard has four end zone targets in the last two seasons. That is 158th Yucky. in the NFL. Um, he has run 37 routes from inside the 10 yard line or the 10 yard, including the 10 yard line, uh, in those two seasons, Devonte Smith, by comparison, 58, 58 routes, but they just don't use Goddard near the end zone, you know, in, in routes very often. Yep. Uh, so it's interesting, but if that ever changes, Goddard is basically the most efficient tight end in fantasy. He's basically George Kittle. His explosive play rate is number one among tight ends two straight seasons. I think he's number one in yards per target two straight seasons. He just never catches touchdowns. But if that changes, man, look out. Goddard could be great. I could. I think we can make the case for Waller being, you know, Jamie would make it if he were here. Um, but are you on the phone, Heath? No. <laughs> what is happening? Are you talking to Jamie? No. Okay. So anyway... Um, it's really interesting, but I think what you're hearing from from Dave and Heath is round eight. If you can get Kittle, Goddard, Waller for Heath, Dave maybe more in round seven. And I think uh, what Jamie mm. said about it was, and that was Jamie Jamie's thoughts on the matter. But uh, am I wrong, Dave? I thought you were willing to take them in round seven. Uh, yeah, I th no, I don't think you're wrong. I think round seven is probably the earliest I would consider those guys. Okay. And my order on them in PPR is Waller, Kittle, Goddard. It's the touchdowns that Kittle can get. I think he's got more touchdown upside than Goddard has. You kind of outlined what the problem was for Goddard. He was also 10th among tight ends in targets per game last year. Uh, how, what's your order of that group, Heath? Tight ends, uh, what is it, five, six, seven? Goddard, Joku, Kittle, Fryermuth. And Waller is what? Nine. Why are you so low on him? Um, I don't know if you know this, but he, I think he's missed 14 games over the last two seasons. He's on the wrong side of 30, and he's playing with a quarterback who hasn't thrown more than 16 touchdown passes since his rookie year. The only reason why I've got a little bit more optimism in Waller is because it sounds like Daniel Jones has been crushing it in camp, 
and Waller's healthy now. And if you go back and you look at his last four games from last season, he moves around pretty well. I'm not the biggest Waller fan at his ADP by any measure. Jamie will hold that title. Jamie will get a lot of Waller. He actually got Waller in our salary cap mock yesterday. But even I have to say that he probably leads. He's probably got a great shot to lead the Giants in targets per game. And he's not moving like a typical 30-year-old. So so I think that's interesting. It's in his favor. Because I and I I'm sure there have been guys I've missed because of this. But when a guy's been in the NFL for four years like Jones or or eight years like Waller, like or however long, I don't know. I mean, how they look in shorts doesn't generally make me think they're like it doesn't really change my opinion of them. Yeah. Well, I think the question is how good was Waller when he was healthy last year? He was good. Averaged over 11 PPR points per game. Right. But he was playing with a a better passer. Well, not – I mean, last year Derek Carr really did not have a good season. And, yes, he was playing with a better passer than what Daniel Jones has been. But he also was playing with Devontae Adams. And that was a big problem for Darren Waller because he wasn't being targeted nearly like what we saw in previous years. So not only is he going to be first or second on the team in targets, I'd be shocked if he weren't first on the targets, at least first in targets, at least per game. You know, injuries are a concern. But I have a hard time, Heath, putting Waller behind Najoku and Ingram when they have never even sniffed the air that Darren Waller has lived in in fantasy. And and I don't think they have the potential. Yeah, I don't have him behind Ingram. Oh, I'm sorry. You have him behind Waller. Oh, but you've got Najoku ahead of him. And Fryermuth, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I can't do that. As much as I don't love Waller, I'm looking to draft him at a value, happily take him ahead of those guys. I can't go for that. And I think another question for for Waller, like I do think he'll be first. I have him projected first in targets, but I don't have anybody projected for 100 targets in that offense. Um, I I think it's going to be really interesting to see if they actually do choose to throw the ball a lot more. Or if they do the thing that was much better for them last year, which is have Daniel Jones run or give it to Saquon Barkley. So I, this is a Daniel Jones stat, but it is relevant as heck for Darren Waller. So the Giants, I, I think, are going to be worse this year. They have a much harder schedule. In yes. their wins last year, Daniel Jones threw 25 passes per game. In their losses, he threw 36 passes per game. Late in the year, they went to a more three-wide receiver set. I think they absolutely intend to throw the ball more this year. I don't think they're going yeah. to be a 28-pass attempt per game kind of team, and I do think that's very relevant for Darren Waller. But I think we should come back to that a little bit later uh, when we look at ADP because we have more questions to answer, more general questions to answer, and bills to pay. we got a commercial break coming up right now. We'll talk about how early Travis Kelsey should go. You heard Dave talk about mid-round first. Let's get an actual number of where we're taking Kelsey right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Travis Kelsey's had kind of an interesting career his last six seasons, one of them with Alex Smith, five with Mahomes. You know, he's been the number one tight end in five of them. There's really no doubting that. Should he be a first-round pick? Should he be a top-ten pick? 
I would say that if you just look at points per game in the even-numbered years, 2018, 20, and 22, absolutely. He's been 18.5 or more fantasy points per game. In the odd number years, 2017, 19, and 21, no. He's been about 15.5 to 16.5 points per game. So um, those kind of coincided with better passing seasons for the Chiefs' offense. But it's a little risky. If you get a guy who's scoring 16.5 points per game, he might be the number one tight end. He should not be a top 10 pick. If you get 18.5 points per game from a tight end, okay, then I could see okay. it. So go ahead, Heath. Well, if like if it's if tight ends like it was last year, and I, I reference nine fantasy points per game, and Dave's right, most years that has not been good enough to be a starting tight end. Last year, Dalton Schultz was tight end nine at nine and a half PPR fantasy points per game. Mm-hmm. Nine. So I I do kind of disagree. Like I have Kelsey at seven in PPR. I don't have him in the first round in non PPR. Um, but I I do think like sixteen and a half PPR fantasy points per game maybe doesn't feel like a first round pick but if it's like an 80 percent increase on the ninth best tight end in the league then i think it is okay uh so they're comparing him with guys who are probably going to score around 20 points per game um so dave all right let's first of all i think he's going to be more like 18 or more so he should, i feel like he could do what he did last year he had tyree kill for most of those seasons one year without tyree kill he was incredible but dave how early what did you say heath you have him seventh seventh and full ppr and dave uh i've got him top 10 ninth overall jb no we can't we talk, <laughs> no. talk you're not even talking you can't say hear something. us oh my gosh disaster he's on his laptop now yeah. Yep. All right. He's whatever. on his laptop. You he's hang out there and on. try to figure it out, Jamie. I so, think he's messing with us. I think he can hear us. Try not. saying a word, Jamie. I don't think he can hear us. Let's say boom. All right. Um, he's not even talking. How important is it? How important is it to have a top seven tight end, which we've already discussed? But if you could sum it up in thirty seconds, how important is it to have a top seven tight end? Mm. It, can we change that number? Top five. I mean, I, I think you'll have an edge <laughs> over the majority of your league, but it's more about having a top, a top two tight end. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah, um, yeah. How how important I, to have a top two tight end? Very, <laughs> very, very, very important. Uh, but I made reference to like the nine and a half fantasy points per game that was tight end nine last year. Tight end seven was ten point three. It was not important at all. It was basically the same as streaming the position. So I don't think having a top seven tight end <laughs> is that important at all. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Jamie? Can you hear me? Yes! Oh, yes! Oh, yes. Great oh, or late. Great or late. <laughs> I feel like that's me. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> all right. Um, so we're talking kickers, right? Yeah, kickers. How important to have a top two kicker? So I guess, you know what? We spent a lot of time on where should Kelsey go? Where should Mark Andrews go, Jamie Eisenberg? Uh, early round three. Early to mid round three. Give me some names. Uh, you know, you, how about that tier of Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, Chris Olave? Right there. And I think with the with the quarterbacks also for me, you know, so <clears throat> once you get past uh, the swing, uh, depending on if you're going to take, you know, Mahomes, Allen or Hertz, I, I think, you know, Andrews belongs in that group of receivers. I would I would take Devontae Smith over him. 
Uh, you can certainly talk about whether it's you know T. Higgins, Chris Olave, or, or Mark Andrews. Um, you know, I I could see it go any which way depending on how your first two picks go. So, but I think the the beginning part of round three is about about the right spot to to start to consider him. And then if he falls to the middle to the end of round three, I think you're getting a pretty good steal. Yeah, Joe Mixon, Ramondre Stevenson, or Mark Andrews, guys. Stevenson for me, then Andrews. Mix and Andrews, Stevenson for me. Stevenson, uh, Mixon, Andrews. Top three quarterbacks or Andrews? All three QBs. Okay. Uh, I would take the quarterbacks over muscle. All right. Um, should you draft two tight ends? Heath, you've kind of been saying if you miss out on the top two or the top five or what? Top four? I mean, it really, it obviously depends on the depth of your league. In a, in a standard draft that's on, on CBS where it's 13 picks that are not kickers or defenses, I'd really rather not. But if I don't take a tight end that's in the top 10, then I will probably take two. Maybe. You guys have been doing a lot of drafts. Which tight end or tight ends do you find yourself drafting the most? Uh, I, I mean, Waller's my, my favorite of the second group, third group, you know, wherever, wherever you want to put Andrews, but post post Andrews, Waller's my favorite. Okay. And we had a little bit of crapping on Darren Waller earlier. Not from me. I would never do that. Well, that would be stupid. Go ahead. All right. Go, go ahead. You make your case. Cause Heath doesn't like the injuries. Doesn't like the quarterback. Um, doesn't like the age. And what do you, why are you so pro Waller? I mean, look, those are all valid excuses. Um, I, I think he's going to have a, a, bounce back season you know if he's healthy which is clearly something that nobody can predict um if he's healthy he's going to have he's going to lead the team in targets he's going to have i i think the ability to show that he's still on that level i i don't i don't uh i don't downgrade daniel jones as a quarterback for him uh comparatively to let's say who he's been playing with with Derek carr i think it is a downgrade but not something that i'm going to run away from um I love I love the system. I love the coach. I, I I think Brian Dable is going to feature Darren Waller to a level that, you know, he was at two years ago. And so I, I think he's got a chance to be the, you know, in the conversation to be the number two tight end. Okay, um, let's do sleepers, breakouts, and boss. oh, actually, no, I'm sorry, Heath and Dave. I don't think you answered that question. Uh, Dave, who do you find yourself drafting the most? Heath, have me? Yeah. Okay. There you go, Heath. Uh, Dave. Dave. Gotcha. Uh, I find myself getting a lot of Evan Ingram, Dalton Schultz. Laporta, so I guess I'm in the late camp. Okay, Heath. I I don't think, um, like I I gave those guys and where I'm drafting them, but I don't I I don't think this year there's been one guy, and other than Kelsey or Andrews, I'm pretty okay with that. I don't think I want to be too heavily invested in any tight end not named Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews because they could all stink. How much do you guys want Kyle Pitts? Generally speaking, round five went. Yep, hundred percent. Yep, right. Um, <laughs> let me ask you a weird question here. I understand you have guys like Najoku, Ingram, Fryermuth, who's going into his third year, ranked ahead of guys like Dulcich or Trey McBride or something like that. But is there any argument that you should just skip those guys who, at best, what are we talking? 850 yards or something like that. You know, I'm not saying I believe this, but the argument, we know who they are, especially in Ajoku mm-hmm. and Ingram. Maybe we should just skip them and just take shots on, two shots on 
young tight ends who haven't done it yet because this is a position. Greg Dulcich, okay, he averaged 41.1 yards per game last year as a rookie. That is more than Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle, and Mark Andrews averaged as rookies. This is a position where you see guys make huge leaps in their second season. And then you've got Kincaid coming into a good situation. You've got Laporta coming into a good situation. Maybe we should just skip the guys that we know at best they're going to be fine and take two shots on players who might be on our waiver wire in a few weeks, but, hey, they might be the surprise tight ends of, of 2023. What's the argument for combining those? philosophies take two shots on tight ends if one of them happens to be evan ingram or david njoku throw firemuth in there what's the problem you're, you're just yeah. bettering your chances of having a tight end that can make a difference for your fantasy team i guess i'd say that even though evan ingram was the number five tight end in fantasy last year he didn't really make that much of a difference for your fantasy team um he just wasn't consistently good so you're, you know, you're taking one of those guys and maybe, maybe they don't really have any true upside that they're just sort of fine. And you should actually just spend two picks on guys with huge upside if that exists. And the guys that have the huge upside have it because they're younger or because they haven't had a tight end five season yet. Yes, that's honestly how it, how I, I know that sounds counterintuitive. And again, I'm not saying I believe this. But when you look at the guys who make huge jumps, I mean, I can't really see it from Evan Ingram. He just, he, this is well, what I, I, mean. think, I think it's it's more of a philosophy situation because of where you're picking those guys, right? So you're who are the guys you're saying to avoid? Okay, Ingram, I don't want to. I don't want to be not, not avoid, but who, who are the ones you thinking that are, are sort of their, their ceilings capped a little bit? Uh, I would or, say Fryermuth, Ingram, and uh, Najoku. Why Fryermuth? Yeah, I would take because, him out of that. Because, because they they're, they want to be a run-heavy team. I think they showed that last year, and we just had a report two days ago. They've got Johnson, they've got Pickens, and they've got Kenny Pickett. How good could Pat Fryermuth be? I, I, that, that'd be my argument against his ceiling. Um, well, I mean, he did score seven touchdowns as a rookie. And, you know, if, if that number bounces back based on some of the other things that they're going to do with him, I, I think he's got a chance to, you know, take that next step. But sure, if you want to take put him in this in this category, the the thing I would say to that is that's the right approach is to let somebody else take those guys if you don't believe in them, and to take those swings later. Because what are you doing with those picks? Are you taking a shot on a lottery ticket running back on on a receiver that can take a a step forward, as opposed to okay, I'm just going to get tight end eight and hope that that's the right. the best case scenario, right? So I get it. Yeah, that's fine. But I don't subscribe to that theory. I just want to I think Dave's Dave's take one of them and one of the guys later is is a better way to do it. But Heath But I, I think also it's you know, it's not necessarily just the 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 younger guys. I I think it's who can you target that has the chance to take that step forward, you know? So is it going to be a volume-based thing like maybe a Tyler Higby, you know, who has a chance to you know, whether you think he's good or not, he's going to be involved. Um, is it going to be somebody that might be very touchdown dependent, like we saw last year, like Jawan Johnson, you know, who, you know, may get a quarterback now that that leans on his tight ends, and you're hoping for that type of situation? Is it going to be Gerald Everett, who's getting a huge offense coordinator boost and has shown the ability to feature his tight end, and that's the type of scenario you're buying into? So I, I think it's not necessarily just I'm looking at uh, Dalton Kincaid because we could see the path to success, or Sam Laporta because you see the path to success, but they are unproven. You know, maybe you're also taking a shot on somebody that situation or coach or whatever quarterback you know might favor that player and that's the type of situation but like i know Heath, for example you you like irv smith a lot right because of his right maybe his his situation but he hasn't done it yet you know so that's a guy that you could say okay i'm not i'm not just going because 
he's he's in that range of maybe breakout like a McBride or or a Dolchich. You know, you're looking at the the scenario overall for him. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, let's do sleepers, breakouts, and busts. How about that? Uh, Heath, who's your favorite sleeper tight end? We'll go Heath, Dave, Jamie. Uh, I should have had. Um, you said ADP, Fryermuth and Joku are both outside of right round ten, right? Uh, I think Fryermuth is at the round nine ten turn, and Njoku's in round ten. So I will say David Njoku, and it's kind of weird to call him a sleeper because I think like if he's as good as he was last year in round ten, that is a sleeper. He'll be a tight end six, tight end seven. He was basically the same as Evan Ingram last year. I do think they're going to throw a lot more. I don't necessarily believe that the tight end targets are going to disappear because they've been there in Kevin Stefanski's system. And so I expect he's going to have somewhere in that 80 to 95 target range. And if Deshaun Watson becomes Deshaun Watson again, actually I haven't projected for 103, so a little higher than that, then those targets could be worth a lot more. Dave, your favorite sleeper tight end? Dalton Schultz. His ADP on NFC over their last 17 drafts this is last few days is 134th. I think he's going to return pretty good value on that. I like the opportunity that he's got to continue being a primary target, especially with a rookie quarterback in an offense. This is the 49ers West Coast system. They utilize tight ends quite a bit out there. And he's been a red zone threat for years. He was in Dallas a couple of years ago. He had a ton of touchdowns. He could revert to that. We talked about that with Fryermuth. Schultz is in the exact same camp. Uh, do you also feel like he could have been included in that not super high ceiling conversation, Dalton Schultz? Yes. Okay. But but I, I still I nice view him floor. as a little bit safer. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the ceiling of like Pitts or Hawkinson or even Waller. But I, th- I think he could be a safe PPR tight end. Jamie, your favorite sleeper tight end. I mean, just based on ADP, I'll take Kincaid. Now, you know, the opportunity to be the big slot receiver and, and play a big role with Josh Allen for a team that didn't really add a lot to its receiving core. Uh, I like the setup for him. So, you know, great opportunity to, to to take somebody of his potential with a late round pick. Man, I, I uh, to go a little bit deeper here, uh, that Arizona tight end room is so interesting. Zach Ertz in the first six games of the season without Hopkins – he was on pace for 99 catches and 144 targets. Uh, he was a must-start guy. McBride finished the season pretty strong, played 76% or more of the snaps in each of his last eight games, played 83% or more in each of his last four games. Trey McBride is going into his second year. He had 90 catches and 1,100 yards as a senior in 2021. Uh, anybody Anybody looking at that Arizona tight end room? You got Ertz, who's yes. 33 years old in November, and coming off a torn ACL. He was originally going to be who I was going to say as a sleeper. McBride? But or I just love the ADP for Schultz, and Schultz will get drafted more often. McBride is like one of seven tight ends that we've barely talked about so far who might be on the waiver wire to begin the year and then end up being a fantasy starter by the midseason. All right, let's do breakouts. Go Dave, Jamie, Heath. Dave, who's your favorite breakout tight end? Kyle Pitts is the easy answer just because we've seen him have a 1,000 yard season last year. He hurt his knee, so he couldn't quite get to that mark, but he was getting open like crazy. Hopefully, Desmond Ritter can find him a lot more often than Marcus Mariota could. I expect him to be the number one target in the Falcons' offense. Jamie. Uh, I'll say Dolchich. You know, I I think there's an opportunity here for, especially now Tim Patrick's out, you know, so we'll see if that means more for Marvin Mims or, you know, whatever they're going to do with the receiving core there behind the top two guys of Judy and Sutton. But, 
you know, showed flashes last year. So there's obviously a rapport already established with Russell Wilson, Sean Payton. You know, he's gotten some good moments out of his tight ends clearly in his in his career at uh, at New Orleans. And again, the the profile that you look for, you know, good college, you know, numbers showed some flashes in the rookie season. Second year guy, so uh, easy guy you could put in the sleeper category as well. But I think just uh, based on the opportunity to take the next step, he's a he's a guy that I like a lot. Heath, favorite breakout. I'll take the moose. I do not believe that we, after two seasons as a tight end, we've seen what the, the cap is on his upside. Uh, he had 14 more targets than George Pickens last year, despite the fact that Pickens played one more game. I think the expectation should be that he and Pickens are right there in terms of total targets. If he gets the t- number of targets he saw last year, I think it was 98 in 16 games, and has the touchdown rate that he did his rookie year, he's going to be a top five tight end. He might be a top three tight end. How many touchdowns did he have last year? Two. Two. Um, Mark Andrews, Evan Ingram, and Pat Fryermuth were tied with seven games with 11-plus PPR points last year. It's like tied for fourth among all tight ends. And Fryermuth was sixth in targets per game last year. There's a case to be made that all he needs is just a few more touchdowns. I think you've been saying this, Heath. Maybe he can be that guy that doesn't finish second on the team in targets and still finishes as a quality fantasy tight end. And what if he does finish second on the team in targets? There yeah, was a, a report this there was a report this offseason that the draft uh pick of Darnell Washington was to allow Fryermuth to play that big yep. slot role. And that's something that could really benefit him because you know he 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 did well in, in those opportunities last season. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's second on the team in targets beyond Deontay Johnson. I just I would just say like it does seem like I get a lot of pushback on well George Pickens and Deontay Johnson are there. Right. And I just don't like George Pickens has not yet shown himself to be the type of wide receiver who would earn a lot of targets. He's an all I mean, he makes incredible plays. He's a fantastic video game player, but you don't throw the ball 120 times on a nine route. Yeah. Oh, you don't know our bet, Heath. Dave and I have a bet. Uh, who's going to be the leader in targets for the Steelers, Deontay Johnson or George Pickens? Heath, you want to get in on it and take Firemuth? Uh, no, I would like to. I, I'll take. I'll do the bet of who's going to be second because nobody's coming within fifty of Deontay Johnson unless he gets hurt. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, look, I don't want to. I don't want to. I shouldn't have put Firemuth in that conversation. Um, but you did. I did. But you did. But well, I was really saying it hypothetically. But if really the three I should have used were Najoku, Ingram, and Schultz. Fryer Muth right. is at a different point yep. in his career, so I was unfair to him. Um, all right, and uh, let's do busts here, and we'll go Heath, Jamie, Dave. Heath, who's the biggest bust candidate at tight end? Uh, you want me to go first on anything? I think Jamie should go first. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you spoke I so, want to go first. You spoke so much early in the show, Jamie. I was trying to give you a break. <laughs> <laughs> who's the biggest bust, Jamie? Well, I want the easy one, which is George Kittle. Um, you know, at, as the fourth tight end going in round Five still? Um, Late round five. Yeah, and round five. Um, look, it's uh, it, he was great with Brock Purdy whenever Debo Samuel wasn't there. Uh, scored six touchdowns in those five games that Debo Samuel missed. And, you know, does, never scored that many touchdowns before in his, in his life. But it's, it's hard to expect that same type of production because we saw the targets really not disappear, but, you know, crater when Debo came back. And so you have... Purdy's going to lean on him to to a degree that I, I think his points per game will be good, but there's going to be a lot of games where he's going to, I think, have you frustrated. And so to see him go ahead of, for me, Waller, uh, I would take a chance on Pitts first. I would take Goddard ahead of him as well. 
Uh, I think Kittle belongs as the seventh tight end. And if you're saying that that the ADP for Goddard, what I'm looking at is 72nd overall. That's where Kittle should live. I agree. He was below 6.7 targets per game for the first time since his rookie year last year. He was significantly below that. And if the 49ers offense wants to be more explosive, they want to take advantage of both Ayuk and Debo, then I think Kittle's the one who pays the price for that. Plus McCaffrey's there. That's really when his targets started to dip initially was when CMC went to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a hard time drafting Kittle anywhere close to fourth tight end off the board. I won't do it. The only thing yeah. I push back on, I think he's still pretty explosive. I, I don't think that's part not of the game. like that's the explosive. other guys. Uh, he's still a mismatch nightmare for anybody in the middle of the field, and his explosiveness has not changed. Yeah, look, Kittle, there's a lot to not like Compared about Compared to Ayuk and Debo? In terms of what they are relative to their positions, his explosiveness that's is not That's not what changed. I was saying, right. But yes, I agree with you on that. There's a lot not to like about Kittle. It really is. But he has also been a top three tight end per game five straight seasons. It's a little bit hard to walk away from. Um, yep. Yeah, I wish he would. I wish he were going more in the, you know, near seventh and not fourth. So uh, who's going next? Heath, you're next. I'm. I'm gonna stick with Darren Waller. I just and I, I do think like there's obviously upside if he's a good value, but he's turns 31 years old in September. He has missed 14 games over the last two seasons. He's a player or a pass catcher over 30 changing teams. He's going to a team with a quarterback who has really never produced an elite fantasy pass catcher and hasn't, I don't, is it 15 passing touchdowns? He hasn't thrown more than 15 passing touchdowns in the last three seasons? Might be 17. Um, but it's, I just, I'm afraid that this remains a run heavy offense and that even though he leads the team in targets, it's like 90, 95 targets. Dave, biggest bust tight end for you. I don't have a problem where Najoku's going in ADP, but there are tight ends going after him that I'd rather have on my team. Um, he he averaged 10.1 PPR points per game last year. That felt like a breakout. That's the number that's like an acceptable range for a top 12 type of fantasy tight end. He averaged a full point less in the five games with Deshaun Watson. He doesn't have that same type of upside as Fryermuth, as Evan Ingram, as Darren Waller, and potentially in full PPR as Dalton Schultz. I, I've got to take him like round 11 or later if I'm going with Njoku. He's one of those tight ends that I'm looking at as a disposable tight end. If he if he's not kicking it in the first three weeks, I'm finding somebody off the waiver wire. Boy, I'm really surprised one more? That, that nobody said Hawkinson as a bust. Because um, he is. Because I don't think he'll bust. He's the third tight end off the board. And I just don't think, I mean, I don't know if you guys agree with this. I don't think you should draft Hawkinson as the third tight end instead of waiting like three more rounds and getting the seventh tight end or something like that. I just don't think he makes enough of a difference at the position. Um, it, it, it just I'm not taking the first guy in that group of five, and it seems to almost always be Hawkinson, and he's just such an ordinary... What was that? Such an ordinary player. Hasn't really done much uh, in the NFL. But anyway, Jamie, what were you going to say? No, the ADP is, is is too high, and and I think it's a matter of again how far does he slip where you want to buy into him. So I, I get that, but for me, another one is Ingram. I, I just think last year, like you said, Adam, he had some some splash games at the end of the season, but now you're bringing in Ridley. I think that's going to hurt him. I think we're going to see, yeah. you know, the 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 career arc of of Evan Ingram was great last season in a contract year, not 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 significant enough competition for targets, and now that's changing. 
Yeah, the counter is yes. Targets are going to be harder to come by because of Ridley, but we're hoping for a big jump from Trevor Lawrence that could compensate for that because Lawrence, they only threw for what, like 4,200 yards last year? But it's not like Zay Jones is going away. Now, and it wasn't even that good of a year for for Ingram. 73 catches is good. Right. 766 yards, four touchdowns in 17 games. Like, okay, you're the man. It's finished. Somehow we finished fifth in total points among tight ends, seventh in PPR points per game, ninth in targets per game. Yeah. Among tight ends. I know how. I know how. How? It's because everybody else was awful. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) All right, well, we're going to take a break here and come back and go through average draft position and see what we like and what we don't like. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. Tight end ADP, according to NFC since July 21st. So I think that's about 90 drafts. Travis Kelsey is going sixth overall, which is a little bit higher than where Dave and Heath had him, I think seventh and eighth. Uh, Jamie, where do you have Kelsey? Uh, I have Kelsey right in that same range. Okay. You guys going Cup or Kelsey? Kelsey, no. Cup. Uh, Bijan or Kelsey? Bijan. Kelsey. Bijan. All right. Bijan, Cup, Kelsey. We already did the Mark Andrews or a little bit earlier. You got most of you like the quarter. You like the quarterbacks that are in the top three quarterbacks. Um, Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, Chris Olave. He's right in that group. A little bit of disagreement on Ramondre Stevenson and Joe Mixon versus Mark Andrews. But, uh, you know, he's going 32nd overall. And he's only had one great year. I believe in him because I think you do have to sort of parse the data and say, well, with Lamar Jackson, before before Mark Andrews' injury last year, he was absolutely performing like at worst a second-round pick. And then Lamar Jackson got hurt, and they had the worst passing offense in the world. But look at the stat. You just go to his stats page. He's only had one great season. That Does anybody have concerns about that with Andrews? Get him, Heath. No, no, no. That's uh, not my, I don't feel that way. I'm just saying that is a fact. He's only had one the, standout. The creator of the Azer stat doesn't get to come in with that as a fact. It is a fact. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Give us some Azer stats. Um, and he's had... Well, like, I I think the 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 thing is like if Andrews busts, he's T.J. Hawkinson who's going like ten picks later. And so, yeah. if he hits, we were talking about Andrews in the early second round last year. Right. So taking him in round three, if those are the two ranges, that makes a lot of sense to me. No, that's fine. I just. Just pointing out, he's had one season in his career with more than 852 yards. So there's that. Um, he's had at least 11.6 PPR points per game each of the last four years. But that's not, I'm not taking 11.6 in the third round. But he's no. only good with Tyler Huntley. <laughs> no, he was good. I, I think he's going to have a much better year than 850 yards. Uh, they're going to throw the ball yeah. a lot more. He was killing it before his injury and then Lamar Jackson's injury. Well, that's the thing. He had 847 yards last year in 14 and a half games. Like he's only had one season with more than 850 yards is technically true. Mm-hmm. But 847 when his quarterback played half the year. You don't have to argue with me. I'm just saying in terms of his, I am with you. We do. This is the tight end preview and you're throwing things out here no, and saying that is a fact. I'm not arguing. Don't argue with me. You're taking, you're taking it out of me. Argue with, with stats. Just uh, yell at the at pro football reference. I'm just saying. Can I give a stat? Sure. 
In nine games <laughs> that he started and finished with Lamar Jackson last year, he averaged 15.4 PPR points per game. I don't go. think it'll be that high. Okay, let's face facts. Yes, the Ravens' offense is changing. They'll throw a little bit more, but Odell's there, Zay's there. Rashad Bateman's going to be healthy enough to play week one. Questions about the run game. But if they're throwing considerably more, I don't know if that target share is going to dip that much. I think Andrews is going to be pretty good. I think he's worth a third-round pick. Who's doing our projections that Hawkinson is over Andrews? Is it Thomas? (laughs) (laughs) It's Sportsline. Look, Hawkinson, let's talk more about Hawkinson. We seem to have sort of skipped over him a little bit. He's the third tight end off the board. He's a round four pick. Is anybody comfortable with Hawkinson in round four of a 12-team league? Nope. No. Okay, he had 129 um, targets. Heathia, yeah, you're not com- you're comfortable with that? L- no, late late round four, but I don't ever take him there because there's always somebody I have like like we talked about. Like we get to the end of round three, and my 33 through 36 go round three through five for me. But um, late round four, if everybody I liked ahead of him had already gone, yeah. Okay, so he, I mean, a, a total target hog. I mean, a, not hog because Jefferson there, but 129 targets in 17 games with two teams last year. And his 17 game pace with Minnesota was 146 targets. You already heard me say, I'm not drafting Hawkinson as tight end three in round four, but I can tell you, I can just tell you right now, a great case for him. Why should we throw out the postseason game? He had a great game in the playoffs, 10 catches for 129 yards against the giants. If you take that game, and, in, and you include that and give him a 17-game pace with the Vikings, it's 117 catches, 1,074 yards, and five touchdowns on nine targets per game on 163 targets. 15 fantasy points per game would have been the number two tight end per game. So that's does, what does he did. Does he get to play the Giants every time? Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. He f- killed the Giants <laughs> twice. He killed the Seahawks once. He had a lot of quiet games. But I guess we're done with that as a fact. We're just gonna we're gonna Azer <laughs> Azer stat everybody else. We're you not doing the that as a fact like, for TJ is... Hawkinson. <laughs> All I said was Mark Andrews only had one great season, and that is true. I I don't dislike him. I wasn't making a case against him. I was just saying it uh, anyway. Um, Hawkinson though, that's an easy case to make. People love the targets and they love the catches. So why aren't uh-huh. we comfortable with him in round four? Because the downside is. 10 to 11 PPR points per game, which is lower than Andrew's downside, I would add. And I think it's just safer to wait a little bit on Andrew's. I've got him as a as a late round five pick. Or not Andrew's, I'm sorry, Hawkinson as a late round five pick. Because he's probably going to lose out on a little bit of targets to Addison. Addison should take at minimum seven targets per game. Jefferson's going to take a ton. But he's still going to be good in PPR. He's still going to get good volume. Um, I don't know where Heath has him at. I've got. I think he can get over 80 catches this year. I think he can get well over 100 targets this year. I'm fine if you want to take him as the third tight end off the board. I wouldn't do it. I'd rather have Pitts as of now. But I just think it's a little too soon to take him where his ADP is. How about Pitts then? Oh, actually, Kittle. Kittle was around five, six turn. We think that's too early for him to be the fourth pick. Um, yeah, you're drafting him based on past performance and not on current situation. Kyle Pitts in round six is tight end five. Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, and Dallas Goddard are all going in round six. Six or maybe early seven, according to ADP. Pitts, Waller, Goddard, and Jamie, how do you rank that? Uh, Waller, Pitts, Goddard. 
Jamie, I think you have to go. I know the studio is needed for, I believe, Morning Combat, a different podcast. So if you have to hop off at any time, please. I'll just wait till they kick me out. All right, you let me know. <laughs> um, Heath, how do you rank those three, Pitts, Waller, Goddard, and ADP? It's really disappointed. I thought we were going to get Jamie ranking them, giving us analysis, and then saying, got to go by. Uh, Pitts, <laughs> Goddard, Waller. Oh, I thought you said it's, but you said Pitts, Pitts Goddard, Waller. Waller. Dave? Pitts, Waller, Goddard. All right, so Pitts is uh, so interesting for obvious reasons. He was pretty lousy last year. What do you expect, Dave? Mm-hmm. You had him as your breakout. What do you expect this year? Why are you optimistic? I think he'll be better. There was a lot of good that he did last year. It just didn't translate into fantasy points. He ranked top 10 among tight ends and targets per game. Targets per route run, which was huge, 28%. That was actually 22nd among all wide receivers and tight ends. Um he just had he had 16 uncatchable targets out of 30 11 plus air yard throws. So more than half of the throws that he had that just went 11 plus yards downfield were off target and they were all from Marcus Mariota, none from Desmond Ritter. You have to hope that Ritter takes a step forward in terms of accuracy. That's one of the things that you have to buy into if you draft Pitts. If you don't think Ritter can do it, and I'm not saying that Ritter has to become Aaron Rodgers overnight. He just has to take a step forward. If he does that, it's been proven that Kyle Pitts can get schemed open. He seems to be over the MCL injury that he had last year. He's been practicing a bunch. It's a fairly good schedule for the Falcons on top of that. And I think he could lead the Falcons in targets over the course of the season. Anybody think Pitts is just going to stink this year? Not get enough volume? So the only thing I keep going back to is I spoke to Arthur Smith for the story I did on Bijan Robinson. And you know I asked him about Drake London. I asked him about Kyle Pitts. And the thing that he said about Kyle Pitts in terms of his numbers... We had Matt Ryan his rookie year, and we didn't have Matt Ryan last year. And I think that was just reading between the lines. We had a veteran that we trusted, let him throw. And we had some not trustworthy quarterbacks last year. Now, if you buy into Desmond Ritter and he buys into Desmond Ritter, then Desmond Ritter is going to have an opportunity to elevate these guys better than Marcus Mariota did, clearly, because as Dave alluded to, it was was very frustrating. There's so much talent on the field for the Falcons, except the guy under center. And so if the guy under center can get it, we know that Bijan's going to get his touches because they ran the ball 559 times last year, led the NFL. Is the passing game in this offense able to support these two guys? Now, Arthur Smith was at the helm of a Titans offense that had a 2,000-yard rusher and still very good production from its receivers. And, you know, I'm going to put Pitts in the receiving category here of – Corey Davis and AJ Brown. It was Brown's rookie season, and um, and Davis is, I think, what third year, fourth year at that point. Uh, so hopefully Ritter can do enough to support these guys. I think the thing that you're drafting Kyle Pitts on is you're drafting him based on what you saw his rookie campaign, the hope that he's going to find the end zone more, and he he did a little bit better last year. Um, but can all of these guys coexist? In this offense, in terms of pass catchers, can they all coexist, meaning Pitts, London, and, and Robinson, in a low-volume situation with a relatively inexperienced, maybe terrible quarterback? And so it's all a lot of hope. And if that's the place you want to be, and I, I think, Adam, you know, you, you brought this up in terms of why take X, Y, and Z tight end when you can just take somebody later. Well, I think this is that argument pushed up a little bit. Why take Kittle, Goddard, Waller? and not take the chance on the guy who could be the best maybe yeah. of the position besides Travis Kelsey. So that's, that's I think, what you're reaching for him. That, that's what you're telling yourself if you're drafting Kyle Pitts. You're, you're telling yourself 
that this is going to be the year that he does what the number four overall pick in the NFL draft from 2020 is supposed to do and why he was the second rookie ever to get 1,000 yards of the position and becomes that breakout player. So if you if you don't mind taking a big swing, this is the guy you take the swing on as opposed to maybe even Hawkinson also. You know, Hawkinson, Waller, Goddard, Kittle, I think this is the one that you try and, and, and hit that home run with. I will say, like, speaking of hope, the Falcons tweeted 43 minutes ago, oh, hi, Matt Ryan. He is at practice today. <laughs> he's not He's not under contract, I don't think, with anybody. He is uh, with he us. Is. CBS. <laughs> yeah, he's a CBS teams. analyst now. Yeah. We've, we've seen that happen before, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, we have, yes. Uh, I, I also think, look, you know, you, you bring this up, Adam, uh, about Anthony Richardson and, and the potential of Gardner Minshew playing. If Taylor Heineke plays, that might be better for the pass catchers there. Yeah. At some point. And I wouldn't rule that out. You know, and and this is something, Heath, I don't know how much you factor this in dynasty wise. Um, for London, for Pitts, and for for Bijan, they clearly have the potential to be dominant at their respective positions. But I think for this year, especially the way the division shakes out, they're gonna be good enough where they price themselves out of a top tier quarterback in the draft, most likely, because their defense is improved. The skill positions, mostly because the running game is going to be better, and they're probably going to challenge to be in the in the division mix. Whether they, you know, are better than most likely the Saints, but you know, if they if they are contending, they're ta- they're they're taking themselves out of you know probably top ten overall pick again. I I think it's a similar argument for uh, or with McLaurin and Dotson, and with London and Pitts. You you're hoping for one of two things if you have those guys that that, that either Sam Howell or Desmond Ritter's good, not great, just not terrible, correct, or that they're just awful. Yep, I love Pitts at his ADP, which is 68th, but I never see him make it in our leagues to 68th. I feel did like he just freeze on that because he looks great. Oh yeah, he did freeze. Uh, he's back, but um, <laughs> Pitts, like pose. Pitts at sixty-eight is <laughs> is great. You know, it's it's a round six pick, a round five pick. It's a big difference. I mean, there's some terrific players going in round five that you might have to pass up uh, to take Pitts. If I can get him in the in the sixth round, then I'd obviously feel a lot I, more comfortable. I've only drafted him once so far. I'd say of the what have we done? Maybe twenty drafts, you know, together in, in other leagues. The only draft I've taken him in so far was the fishbowl because you're trying to win a very big tournament and he's the type of guy that will help you win a very big tournament if he wins. You know, you, you don't get any points for just making the playoffs. All you know, right. you just, you, you know, he's he's the type of guy that, you know, if if you're in the, the first or last, you know, he's the type of tight end you take. Who are you targeting first, Pitts or Drake London? For Pitts. me, it's Pitts. Yeah. Pitts for you too, Jamie Heath? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, to... to it's it's similar to the 49ers conversation. What he does at his position, comparatively to what London does at his position, if if one is going to be better than the other, you want it to be the tight end. Heath, I've got London just a little bit higher. Adam, but I have London projected for more targets this year and and being better than Pitts. Yeah, I I think Chris made a great point at ADP. Why would you take London in round four when you can get Pitts twenty picks later? You know, it just if you want a piece of the Falcons passing game, take Pitts later than London. Um, and I just want to read this quote because Jamie might have to, uh, this comment, Jamie might have to uh, hop off here. Uh, this is from Zed. I think Adam's league sold out first last night. Not sure what that means. LOL. Uh, I know exactly. I think, might, I think you might be right. Jamie thinks it was his, <laughs> but I think it was mine. No, no, no. I, 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 think I, 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 I was hoping it was going to be mine. 
No, I think you said check the tape. I, so I'm pretty sure it was mine. <laughs> why yeah, do you think your league sold out first, Adam? Because I have a theory. I looked. Oh, why? Why? Why do I think it happened? Or are you saying like it happened? Why did it happen? Or are you asking? I don't know me, what why you're asking think, me because I forget. I, let's talk about tight ends. Um, I, I think just like Jamie said about the Scott Fishbowl, like if it's you're trying, you're trying, <laughs> you're trying to win to the win. league, and you should choose the path of least resistance. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Dallas Goddard, um, real quick on Goddard here. We're going to talk about a lot more players. We're running out of time. Dallas Goddard, round six, seven pick. He's obviously in that mix. Uh, does he have big upside without an injury to Smith or Brown? I'll say no. Just but based big on upside to what? Challenge to be a top three guy yeah. or challenge to be a top five three. guy? Like, where, where's your. He obviously could be a top five guy. I mean, that's everything. Right. Yeah. Five, fifth. He was last year. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, could he be a top three guy? Could he have a 13 or more PPR point per game type of season? Yes. Without no. an injury to those two guys? He was 11.8 last year. Why couldn't he be 10% better? Yeah. With I mean, three you, touchdowns. You saw, this, is the, this is the range that he's lived in, the, I the, think, throughout his career. The thing that we saw in the Super Bowl is what you're hoping for for Dallas Goddard. You know, a... Uh, uh, we didn't see the Eagles in a lot of really competitive games. You know, they were bludgeoning people, and he was a part of that. You know, so he when, when Jalen Hurts was forced to throw, they couldn't rely on their, their run game. They were in a back-and-forth game, you know, where they had to be a little bit more aggressive throwing the ball, and that might be the case this year because of what the run game could look like. Yeah, I think Goddard could take a, a step forward, but to me, I, I, I view Goddard and Kittle very similar. I, I think they're in crowded offenses that are going to have – some limitations on them personally, but you still love to have them on your fantasy team at the right cost. So, like I, that's why I think Waller has a higher ceiling because of what his role is for the Giants. So I, I would take Waller over both those guys. But I, if I get Goddard as the fallback in that tier, or even Kittle as the fallback in the tier, we just don't see it ADP. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. But it's just a matter of going into it. You can't expect him to be that guy. You, you, you have to hope, like you said. You have to hope, like you said, Adam, either A, an injury, or B, they're just so much more – there's a lot more volume coming his way because they're throwing the ball more. Okay. So uh, that so that brings us to Evan Ingram, who's in round eight, and then Pat Fryermuth, David Njoku, Dalton Schultz. So these guys are veterans. Fryermuth going into his third year. The other guys a little bit deeper into their careers. Ingram, Fryermuth, Njoku, Schultz. Um. And the philosophy here, Dave, is what? Grab if you didn't get one of those first seven, grab one and then grab an upside guy later. We sort of established that. That's not a bad way to go. You you don't have to grab a second tight end. Wouldn't be a bad idea if you did. But I, I think in the case of all all these guys, except maybe nah, even Najoku, you could roll into the season with them as your starter. Give them a few weeks. If they suck, then you go to your waiver wire and, and someone will be there that you can move in with them. All right. And that's 11 but, tight ends. But these are those are those that's where the late tight ends start for me in the greater late conversation. This is at 100th overall in the draft. Um, Ingram? Probably yep. not. What's his ADP? Round eight. Yeah, well, that's too soon. Okay. So Ingram, Farmuth, and the Joku Schultz, you've got a level of, of provenness there. A lot of the guys after that, you don't. So Okonkwo, Dulcich. We finally got to Okonkwo. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm surprised he's still Man. tight end 11 in ADP. Tight end 12. Dulcich, Higby, Kincaid, Komet, Jawan Johnson, Gerald Everett, Sam Laporta. It's a mix, Heath, of young guys that we're hoping take the next step. I think it's kind of mostly that. And then there's Higby and Everett in there as well. Um, how do you see that whole group? Basically, we're more or less done with the top 12. Yeah, I think Higby, I mean, Higby's my favorite. And we like we talk about it, if a guy's going to have a weird season and finish top five when he shouldn't, it's probably a guy who finishes second on his team in targets. And Higby is, I think, the most likely group guy out of this group to be second on his own team in targets. Um, I need to move Dulcich up a little bit. I had some Sean Payton anxiety with the way he was talking about the tight ends and seemingly having no idea who their best tight end was. It seems like Dulcich is moving into that range. So he, he would probably be next for me. I don't actually believe Okonkwo is going to be a thing now that DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks are both ahead of him. Yeah. What should we expect from Kincaid and Laporta? And any other rookies? Uh, amazing performances. Um, I mean, look, rookie tight ends, we know they they struggle. And no matter the the hype, you know, as good as Kyle Pitts was as a rookie, he scored one touchdown. You know, and, and so depending on the format that you play in, that was pretty frustrating for a lot of people. You know, so a thousand yards and you saw the potential. Um is Kincaid going to be a red zone threat? That's, I think, a big question. You know, that they, they seemingly like him in that role. Uh, is is Laporta going to take advantage of the six-game absence that we have without Jamison Williams to maybe get some more targets? I, you know, th- those are things that you're hoping for. But, again, I think you just have to be realistic, which is why the ADP is reflective of that, and I think our rankings are reflective of that. You know, you just have to understand that there's going to be some flaws. There's going to be some growing pains. Um, you know, the difference is, I think, is, is, is what we may see from this class and, you know, Heath, you could probably, you know, attest to this more in terms of where you're projecting these guys for the future. But is the is – the, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday with the quarterbacks. How teams are defending these great passing attacks. And, you know, I think you could say Josh Allen is a great passing offense. The Bills are a great passing offense. And, and maybe Ben Johnson's offense for the for the Lions. But that's why the, the focus is on taking players like this is the, the moving away from the traditional tight end, the more – you know, uh, slot receiver type of guys and how many, how, how much are they going to change the way offenses are, are run? And so you have a, a amazing class of, of these guys and you're hearing great things from Musgrave in uh, Green Bay. You know, we'll see if Mayer can have some plays for, for the Raiders. But I think these two guys in particular, uh, for Kincaid and, and for Laporta, they're great second tight ends if you're inclined to take two. I, I think that's the key is, and I, I poo poo the rookie tight end thing, and I've moved Kincaid up a little bit, but you should not expect for Kincaid and, and Laporta. You should hope there's upside there, it's potential, but you should not have any, you, there's no reason to have reasonable expectations of production from these guys this year. They are getting opportunities in good offenses, good to great offenses. We can't call the Lions offense great yet. And that's what you're hoping for. And you're just taking a chance on them to start your fantasy season. Do you think Kincaid sees more targets than Gabe Davis this year? Uh, I think no. there's a chance, yes. I, no, I, don't I don't really. That's the style. I love Kincaid, but I have a hard time seeing him being top two on his team in targets. But listen, that's that's a stat for top five tight ends. You want a guy who's going to finish sixth, seventh? They, they don't have to be top two on their team in targets. Um Maybe they won't have that that big of an impact, but seeing Kincaid finish as like tight end eight wouldn't really shock me. That which is just not that good of a season. 
It's just not. I mean, Dawson well, Knox that's has a good return on a very late round pick. Yeah, it is. Dawson Knox uh, has been actually kind of like in that top twelve range, two straight. And I don't. Years. Think he's totally going away. He's right. great. He's not. No. Yeah, he's not. All right. Uh, that's we are an offense away, with though. a ton of options now. Thank you guys. Good show. Big thank you to everyone who's in the FFT Open, raising $22,000 for St. Jude in a matter of hours. That was awesome. Much more to come. Go Actually, go to tinyurl.com slash donate, and you can bid on other things like calls with Dave, Jamie, Heath, me, Chris, etc. Uh, appearances on podcasts and things like that. If we learn one thing today, it is definitively that Mark Andrews has only had one good season. And we will be back <laughs> with a mailbag, which we're recording later this afternoon, which will air tomorrow. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is Fantasy Football Today.